Isn't it wonderful to be together? Amen. And praise God. All right. Just want to welcome, want to welcome uh, Rod and Maria. Rod is a pastor at Grace Bible Church in Roseville, as many of you know. His wife Maria. Then we have Evan and Kayla and Maddie and uh, Faith. How could I forget Faith? How could I forget Faith? Can't forget Faith. I'm glad you guys are here, here to spend a few days with us. Would you turn uh, your Bible to the book of Ephesians? Book of Ephesians. We're still wading our way through Ephesians, and we've made quite a bit of progress. Before we start, why don't we pray? Father in heaven, we come before you, and we thank you that you have gathered us together. We know that you are doing a work. We are confident in uh, what your son has done. And even as the songs we've sang, we've just been reminded that all of our guilt and our fears have been drowned in his blood. They are gone because of what he has done on the cross for our sins. And so we pray even this morning, even as it is the theme of this scripture, we pray that your spirit would come and fill us. We pray that your spirit would bless us with the word. We pray that we would have a better understanding, that our hearts would be open to what you're saying to us, that we would be, um, uh, be able to hear what you have said in your scriptures and that Christ would be glorified. Lord, do your work, we pray. Encourage the saints. Save those who are considering the claims of Christ. Uh, convict cause repentance, do your work, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I, I, have a, I have a friend who I constantly see at family parties, and I go there, and every time he sees me, because he knows what I do, um, he wants to talk to me and talk religion. Have you ever had a friend who just wants to talk religion, doesn't want his life changed, doesn't want her life changed? She just wants to talk religion. And so for the first maybe two or three or four times I've talked with this person, they always want to talk religion. But when it comes to the point of Christ and to, to surrender of Christ, very standoffish. But uh, it's surprising. Occasionally, usually people have, um, when you talk to folks, they usually have this front, this mask, this facade. They don't want to let anyone in because there's, they, there's, Brokenness behind there. But occasional, occasionally you see that glimmer. Occasionally you see that opening. And when God gives you that opening to administer the gospel, you've got to take it. right? But as I was talking to this friend of mine, um, he, uh, I knew a little bit about what was happening in his family. He, he was just drinking, constantly drinking. His liver was he had cirrhosis of the liver now. His liver is failing. Um, he was caught in adultery. He lost his job due to sexual harassment. His children don't respect him. His wife does not respect him. And as I talk to him about the claims of Christ and that he needs Christ, and when Christ saves you, he will change you, um, he can't understand the sequence. Okay. This is what we have to, we, you have to have it right. The sequence. How does God change a person? Do you have to change first and then he'll save you? Or does he save the sinner where, where he is and changes him afterwards? I believe the second one is true. I think this is what scripture teaches. He doesn't understand the sequence and I keep trying to explain it to him. And I know I'm trying to explain light to him who is in darkness. He keeps saying to me, I know I need to change, Angelo. I got to change. I said, well, why don't you start coming to church? That's where they preach the gospel. And he says, well, I'll change first and then I'll go to church. Let me change first. Let me turn over a new leaf. Have you ever heard this before? Let me turn over a new leaf. And then I'll go to church. The problem of that is you always end up failing. You don't have that power to change yourself. 
To this day, he still claims victimization. And to this day, he believes he just needs to turn over a new leaf and everything will become better. Have you come to the point, maybe you've understood this for a few years, but even as you grow as a Christian, you come to the point where you understand and you fully know now that self-help does not work. That I can't kind of grab myself by the bootstraps and change the way I am, change the discipline in my life, change the way I think. Have you ever come to that point yet? I hope, even if you've been a Christian for just a short amount of time, you know that the more and more you try to change yourself, the less and less you actually do. I'm going to get up at 5 in the morning. Every morning, I'm going to have my quiet time. If it kills me, every morning, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have four alarm clocks to get me to do it. Right? You ever notice that you'll have a good run for maybe... One or two days, right? Then all of a sudden you have a slow, slow death, right? What is, what, is, what is the reason for that? Is it because it's a bad thing to do? No. It's, it's where do you generate the power? Where do you have the strength? And this is what Paul is talking about. He has already told us. He knows that self-help will not work, Right? Because he said in Ephesians chapter 2 that what? Man has been born in sin. He is dead in his transgressions and sins. God had to make us alive. And so we come to this text now after Paul has just been giving us the blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing of how we are to live as Christians, not as paupers, but as rich people in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5 verses 18 to 21, this is going to be our concentration. Now, I, I quite frankly don't know how far we're going to get. Okay? I want to kind of sink and let the words uh, uh, hit us and strike us and allow us to kind of marinate in the text. And if it takes us a, a couple Sundays, let us take a couple Sundays. But notice he says here, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 to 21, and he says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I believe that God gave this passage to you this morning so that you would daily experience the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit. God gave you this passage so that you would daily experience the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We know what Paul has been talking about. He has been lathering the blessings to the saints over and over. If you remember in Ephesians chapter 1, he says that we have been chosen before the foundation of the world. God the Father has chosen to point His love at us. The blood was spilt from God the Son. We have been sealed from God the Spirit. This theology that Paul is, say, is telling us is, should shape our lives, should control us, should motivate us. It should correct our thinking. I know that this theology is, th is true. I accept, I assent, I accept, I believe. You know, sometimes, even if you have the right theology, does right theology le lead to right living? Yes, it should, right? But you can have, and you could read the text and say, I agree with that. God is on the throne. I agree that I, can, I should make changes in my life. I agree that I should put down that sin. I have that agreeing. I agree with that. But I don't do it. I don't know. Imagine if that's the kind of way we deal with the scriptures. And, and to be frank, that's what we do at times. See, God didn't leave you with simply just election. He didn't leave you with simply the blood of the lamb. This is all blessings on us, right? He didn't leave you with a guarantee of the seal of your salvation. 
he didn't leave you with just the imperatives of to walk. What does it say? In chapter 4, verse 1, he says here, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, that our lives should be in line with the high calling that God has given us. He didn't tell us not just to walk differently from the world. In chapter 4, in verse 17, he says, so this I say, affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of your mind. He also didn't just give us the imperative of walk in the light. Chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, For you were formerly darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He also didn't just tell us in chapter 5, verse 15, to walk wisely. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. They should. All these imperatives should grip us should tell us what to do. But in, all, in our fallenness, here we are as fallen creatures. Redeemed, yes, but fallen creatures. What you need is power. You need power from on high. To say that you can do this Christian life apart from the power of the Holy Spirit is to be non-Christian, is to be simply a moralist, is to simply be someone who thinks you can change yourself. That is thoroughly unbiblical, unchristian, and you're up for despair, brothers and sisters. Afterwards, Paul is going to talk after this passage, if you follow with me he's going to talk and I, I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek but he's going to talk about the most stressful relationships in your life where it is absolutely it is absolutely utterly impossible to please God in this relation in these relationships without the spirit of God follow with me look at this Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, if I just said, wives, be subject to your husbands, a lot of you wives would say, you don't know my husband. Right? There is no way I'm submitting to this man. He's got it wrong. I've got it all right. He's got it wrong. Right. But notice he says, as to the Lord. Husbands, Chapter 5, verse 25. Look at this call. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How am I going to do that? Christ gave up his life. He died on the cross. How am I going to love my wife like that? Impossible. Impossible. Okay? Impossible. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Those of you young folks who know the Lord, how am I going to obey Christ? How am I going to obey my parents, my imperfect parents? Impossible. Without the Spirit of God. Look at um, chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, how are you going to raise your kids in discipline and instruction of the Lord and not get, not blow up on them? Absolutely impossible. Chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. How are you going to work? How are you going to work your job, your thankless job? You know, how are you going to work that job? When folks are leaving here and there, how are you going to work that job and have a good attitude? Absolutely impossible. Bosses, how are you going to have a, what does it say in chapter 6 and verse 9? He says, masters do the same things to them. Give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. How are you going to be a reasonable and good and firm and truthful boss, faithful boss? That's impossible apart from 
the Spirit of God. We could go on and on. Chapter 6, he's talking about spiritual battle. In chapter 6, verse 18, he's talking about preaching. In chapter 6, verse 22, comfort in trial. All these things. Now Paul, he gives the theology. He gives the imperatives. And in this pivot of chapter 5, verse 18, he gives us the power. What I think is wonderful about this is you don't have to despair. Actually, the Bible is saying you can live the Christian life. You can get up out of your sin. You can repent. You can love your wife. You can love your husband. You can be a good employee. You can be a good child for the glory of Christ. But where do you find the strength? Where do you find the power? God wants you to have it right here. This is where he wants you to live. In the presence and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Here are the commands. How can I possibly do them? You can't. You need the Spirit's help. So now the question becomes, because it's sometimes as we look at the text, it might be nebulous, unclear. We, we're looking at what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? A lot of folks say this, this term, right? How do you experience? I want to know. I want to be there all the time. Don't you? I want to be there all the time. Uh, experiencing the fullness of the Spirit. Experiencing His power in my life. Yielding and in obedience to Him. I want to be there all the time. How can you be there? How can you live there? How can you dwell there? Well, the Bible gives us two very important Commands. Okay. There are two commands. The first one is to depend, if you're following along with notes, depend on God's provision. Depend on God's provision. Now, this is essential, brothers and sisters. Okay. This is essential. You cannot even go forward without depending on God's provision. The Bible says here, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. We're going to look at this phrase because the whole context of this uh, passage here revolves around this phrase, be filled with the Spirit. The word there, be filled. Sometimes uh, as you go to different churches, or you speak with different Christians, they, they'll say, I was so filled with the Spirit. I was so filled with the Spirit. But maybe we're not talking about the same definition. Maybe you mean something else and I mean something else and we think we mean the same, right? I remember that movie where they say, I, I don't think you think you know what that means, right? I, 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 maybe I butchered it. But maybe they're not saying the same thing. So what does that mean, be filled? What does this biblically mean, right? The word there, to be filled, means to fill, to make full, to bring to completion, to reach to its end. It has different uh, nuances to the meaning of it. It could mean to complete. It is controlled for its intended purpose. All throughout scriptures, it's, it uses the same word in the Gospels. It says, in order that the scriptures may be fulfilled. Coming to its end. Coming to its stated purpose. You're, it is filled. It also can mean to control. Go with me to Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13. It's also used in a different way, which means to control. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 52, Acts chapter 13 and verse, well, let's start with a uh, Verse 49, the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas, drove them out of their district. Verse 51, they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And here it is. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were impelled. They were pushed forward. They were controlled by joy. This can also be seen negatively. Go with me to Acts chapter 19. You'll see it. In Acts 
chapter 19. The same word, Acts chapter 19, verse 28. Uh, if you re recall, they're in Ephesus and the folks are getting upset. In verse 28, he says, When they heard this, they were filled with rage. They began to cry out, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city was filled with confusion, and they rushed with one accord. So here, this word is meaning to be controlled, taking over them. They're just letting themselves be filled with rage. It also means, and as we are looking at these different nuances of the word, it also means to permeate. Okay? To permeate. Look at John chapter 12, and we'll see that it means to permeate. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. What does it mean to be filled with spirit? Let's be exact. Okay, What does it mean? John chapter 12 and verse 3. Uh, let me start at 1. Jesus, therefore, you know the story. Six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised it from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume to complete, to control, to permeate. So these are the aspects of what it what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Notice he says, um, this is a very different, this is a different word of filling, just so that you, if you guys are maybe questioning, this is a different word of filling than what's in Acts chapter 2. We could talk about that later. But this is the ongoing daily pursuit of Yielding to Christ's spirit. Now, as we look at the verb, and I just want to take a look at this. Um, as we look at the verb, we notice that it's a clear command. It's a clear command. Notice he says here, if you go back in Ephesians. In Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says, be filled with the spirit. It's a clear command. It's an imperative. In other words, and here's, here's, the say, here's what he's saying. If you are not filled in the Holy Spirit and God is commanding you to be filled in the Holy Spirit and you're not filled in the Spirit, you are in sin. The Bible commands you to find your strength here. The Bible commands you to find your de dependence here. The Bible commands you to have the Spirit flow through you, to control your mind, to control who you are. The Bible commands you to always be filled in the Spirit. You can liken this to the abiding of Christ that Jesus says in John chapter 15. And I'll just read that for you. You remember the verses? Let me read that for you. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, that is dwelling in me, trusting in him, dwelling in him, depending on him, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father, by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. As Jesus is calling believers to not only trust in him for salvation, but to trust in him for daily life. Paul is telling us, where do we find this? As you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself mediates the very presence of Christ in your life. Such that you can walk in this day and this age, 2016, in Carlsbad, in Oceanside, in Encinitas, right? In San Marcos. You can walk with Jesus. 
Amen? As we abide in him. Now, not only is it a clear command, it's a present command. It's in the present tense. And in fact, God is calling us to be filled with the Spirit moment by moment. Now, that doesn't mean you're like some of the monks have understood this to be on their knees continually for 24 hours. Right? This means that we are, and as we are getting to our definition finally, it means to have this full dependence and trust in the Spirit and what He desires and what He wants. It's a present command. Every moment that you're not depending on the Spirit of God for strength, for motivation, for resource, and you do outward acts of good, it dishonors Christ. God himself, it, it doesn't matter if you do the same good works on the outside. God is saying you have to be filled with the Spirit in order to honor me. You have to be filled with the Spirit because I know you're doing it in my strength. You have to be filled with the Spirit because I know you are now finally saying I can't do it on my own. Being filled with the Spirit is a reflection of what you have said about Christ on the cross. You say, I can't do that on my own. And now you're saying, I can't live this on my own. Someone who is not filled with the Spirit exalts the autonomy of man, exalts his own strength. And this is why, this is why when you get up in the morning and you say, I can do this, I got it. I don't need to be with God. I got this. I can do work. I can do school. I can be a mom. I can do all these things. And you say, I got it. I just don't need to be with God. Maybe in three or four days, I'll be with God. What this is really saying is you're living a practical atheism and you're really saying, you know what? God, you, maybe Christ is good enough for my sins, but you know, I got it from here. I got it. I got it. You're going to fall flat on your face. I have. Have you? And it's not a way to live. And you know what? You're not fruitful. Right? You ever try dealing with conflict resolution? Husband and wife, not filled with the Spirit? You ever tried that? Don't recommend it. Why? Because there is no power to humble yourself. There is no power to speak kindly. There is no power to live the way Christ asked you to. And so, brothers and sisters, part of the goal here is, yes, to depend on the Spirit, but to say, I'm done with depending on myself. I am done with depending on my strength and my intuition and my intelligence and my eloquence and, and my good quotes. I am done with it. Are you done yet? Because unless you're done with your own strength and your own power, you can't fully embrace the power that is in Christ. Amen? It's a present. Present command. Right? Hebrews says, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. But I know good people, and I know good people go to church, and I know that they do these good things. Jesus says, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Why? They are not doing it for the motivation of Christ, and they're not doing it by the power of the Spirit. It dishonors him. It is, it is once again, a trophy of pride for man. That's why, that's why this work must be done in the power of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. It cannot be, I'm going to do this no matter what. I'm going to force it to happen. I'm going to force it to happen. It cannot. It's got to be the work of the Spirit. Amen? Not only is it a clear command or a present command, and we're just looking at the form of the verb, okay? It's also a yielding command. A yielding command. Because the voice is passive. Okay? It doesn't say fill yourself. It says to what? Be filled. And I think they got it right in the English, right? What he's saying is, you've got to allow God to take full reign of your life. 
You've got to yield, right? You must allow God's mind, God's heart to dominate you as perfume dominates a room, right? Right? You could tell. Someone's wearing perfume. Oh, okay. Someone's perfume is too strong, right? Sometimes they start sneezing, right? But what he's saying here is we desire for God, for Christ to take a hold of us, for the Spirit to take a hold of us by yielding to him, right? And how do we yield to him? We're going to talk about that. So in summation, let's break this down. In summation, what does it mean filled? Uh, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Okay. From all that we've been studying, I think it looks. I think it means this. This is what I think it means. To be filled with the Spirit means to be completely yielding to the Spirit's word, depending on the Spirit's power, and experiencing the Spirit's presence. Let me say that again. Okay. To be filled with the Spirit means to be completely yielding to the Spirit's word, depending on the Spirit's power, and experiencing the Spirit's presence. And I say this first, okay? Before we even move on to alcohol, we're not even talking about alcohol yet. If you notice, this doesn't even mean, this is not even about alcohol. We usually go there for alcohol. Well, see, it says don't get drunk, right? That's not even the emphasis. The emphasis is what? Spirit-empowering daily living. Amen? Right? In order for you to be filled with the Spirit, you have to be in sync with His heart and His mind. And how do we know what the heart and mind of the Spirit is? A lot of Christians, sadly, they just kind of think of it on their own. And sadly, this is what occurs, right? Sometimes as I talk to people, they say, I'm so filled with his spirit. I said, but you're living with a woman that's not your wife. Well, I'm still filled with the spirit. No, you're not. Well, God told me to divorce my... No, he didn't, right? Why do I know that for a fact? Why do I know he's lying? Because the spirit does not go against what he himself already wrote. He is the spirit of truth. Right? So how do we know that? Look, this is, we have to first be in line with what the Spirit has written. Notice he says this in John chapter 15. We have to look at this. The Spirit's ministry is multiple, is, uh, has a multiple dimensions. Okay? But one of them is he is the dispenser of truth. He allows us, he has revealed truth, and he allows us to see truth by illuminating our minds. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Okay. In John chapter 15, verse 26. Now, Jesus is going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Okay. Notice. Notice his title. Okay. Sometimes he's called the Spirit. Sometimes he's called the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he's called the Spirit of Holiness in Romans chapter 1. According to the Spirit of Holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. He says that in Romans chapter 1. Here, notice his title. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. First, the helper, the Holy Spirit is the helper. Right? He is the paraclete. He is the one who is going to be there with you. When you experience a sense of Jesus, it's really the Holy Spirit in the background mediating the presence of Christ himself to you. Amen? This is the sweetness of Christianity. It's not just that there's morals. It's not just that there's laws and commands. It's that I am forgiven, and now I'm walking with God every day. Don't. This is what I, I long for every morning. Amen? I need to know I'm walking with God. I need to know he's still with me. Right? And so now, Christ says, this helper, this helper is going to come alongside you, and he will reveal to you what is true. He defines the truth. 
Okay? Not someone's imagination when they wake up from a dream, right? Not someone's decision when they kind of feel like they have to go to this store. Not anything, oh, I got to go to this store. Not any of that. If you want to know the clear, revealed will of God, it is in plain black and white in your scriptures. He is the spirit of truth. And in order for you to be filled with the spirit, you have to be yielded to his word. Don't think that it's a dichotomy or that it's not related. Right? You can experience his filling. Right? Notice, I wanna, now I wanna, want you to do kind of like a parallel passage comparison. Go with me to Ephesians, and then we're going to see something very, very interesting. Back at the text in Ephesians, we're going to see something very interesting. If you notice, he says here, and we're going to see how it's all related, okay? He says in verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so we have alcohol, right? Sobriety, right? Then we have the Spirit. Then we have singing, don't we? And then we have giving of thanks, don't we? You see that? With me. Is everyone with me, right? You have, you have uh, drinking. You have the Spirit. You have uh, not drinking, Spirit. You have singing. You have giving of thanks. Now, look at the parallel passage, okay? This one says to be filled with the Spirit. Look at the parallel passage in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Colossians 3 and verse 16. Okay? Colossians 3 and verse 16. Notice in Colossians 3, 16, this is a parallel passage of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Now he says, he doesn't say, he doesn't say what? Be filled with the Spirit. What does he say? Let the Word. Get it? Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now, let's follow along. Let's see if this is really a parallel passage, okay? With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing with one another in psalms, hymns, and spirit. Oh, it looks like there's the music, okay? Thankfulness. Oh, I see thankfulness. Correct? You're following me, right? Whatever, uh, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Notice he says there, so we have the thankfulness, and we have the singing, and we have... Um, we have uh, letting the word of Christ richly dwell within you. But you notice, what is Paul saying? What is he saying here? He's saying that the filling of Ephesians chapter 5.18 is likened to the dwelling of the word of God in the Christian's life, richly dwelling in him, of Colossians 3.16. What does that mean? All this to say, brothers and sisters, if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, you've got to let the Word of God dominate you. Beware of folks who put this wedge between the Spirit and the Word. Beware of folks like that. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't want, a lot of times, they don't even want any authority on their lives. Why? Because the word, you, you try and talk to them about the word of God. No, that's not what the word of God says. And you know what they say? Well, God told me. The spirit told me. No, the spirit didn't tell you because the spirit is always aligned with the word. Why? He wrote it. So you're lying. Did I say that out loud? Okay. It, you know why this matters? Because it affects the way people live their lives. I have seen train wrecks. I think I've told this story like four or five times. It's worth telling again. Right? I had a student in India. Right? He came from a charismatic background. And the elders 
uh, his fiance was sick with tuberculosis. And the elder said, you need to have faith. God has told us you need to tell your fiance to stop taking her medication and she will be healed. And they, being young believers, thought that that's what God wanted them to do. And she stopped taking her medication for tuberculosis. And she died. And this student came broken and weeping, coming to us, and we were healing him by the word of God. The word of God healed, right? And he said, why? Why did this happen? And I said, Danny, they were lying. God did not say to not take your medication, right? They have put a wedge between the spirit and truth. Brothers and sisters, anyone who claims that the spirit says something that is opposite to the word of God, they are not to be followed. And let me tell you, if you try and play that game with God, oh, well, you know what? I think this is what the spirit wants me to do. That's not what the word of God's telling you what to do. You will not be blessed. You will not have power to fight sin. You will not have power in ministry. You will not have power to, to reconcile relationships. You will not have that power. He will not be mocked if you are in open rebellion and yet say, I have the power of God. Stop it. But it comes to any Christian who will repent and confess and say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. Amen? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let his spirit dominate you. Right? I want his thoughts. I want to love what he loves. I want to hate what he hates. I want to be on mission on what he is on mission about. I want to prioritize my schedule the way he wants me to prioritize my schedule. I want to cancel things out of my schedule because it's just blocking my priorities in Christ. I want to be what the Spirit desires for me to do. And I want to take out the sins in my life that I'm not obeying by the power of Christ. You've got to ask him for strength for that too. Right? To be filled with the Spirit means to be completely yielding to the Spirit's word depending on the Spirit's power and experiencing the Spirit's presence. Look at how Paul describes this. Okay, Look at how he describes this. Notice he says this in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Let me start at 14. Galatians 5, 14. This is quite interesting. Notice how Paul makes this argument. Okay? He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so he's talking about these are laws that you have to do. And now he's going to say you can't do them apart from the spirit. right? But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Verse 16. And now he's going to use a different phraseology. But it's very similar. And it's very uh, has overlapping meaning. He says now. I say walk by the spirit. Being filled with the spirit. Is keeping in step with the spirit. Following the spirit's patterns. Following what God would desire for you in your life. He says I say walk by the spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Okay. Not. If you're struggling with alcohol, not go to AA and you'll be able to solve your own problems. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you'll probably just trade that addiction for another one. What he's saying is here, if you desire to fight the desires of the flesh, that is the sin remnant that is still in the Christians, right? If you desire to fight that, you have to be filled with the spirit. That is your weapon against it, right? He says here, um, for the spirit, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the spirit, 
you are not under the law. So what he's saying is being led by the Spirit is going to prevent you in doing all these things. Here is a Spirit-filled person. They don't do this. Okay, A Spirit-filled person says, verse 19, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. This is someone who is not. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and these like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And what he's saying is, when you don't walk in the Spirit, this is exactly what comes out. Notice, immorality, sexual perversion, your lusts, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, envying, fighting, disputing. Where does the fighting come from when you're not walking in the Spirit? Where does the factions in a church come from when you're not walking in the Spirit? Right? When we allow little bitternesses to come in and we don't deal with it in a godly manner. right? Honestly. Confessing, repenting to one another. Then he says, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there are no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so the question becomes now, are you walking in the Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit? Do you let a day pass when you're not? It is too dangerous not to, brothers and sisters. Not just because of the sin and the consequences that you'll fall into, but the glory of Christ is at stake. The glory of Christ is at stake. Now, you have to depend on God's provision. And I think I'm just going to get through one of the supernatural traits. Secondly, you have to do God's will. Okay? It's not enough just to depend on his spirit, but you have to get up and work. And you have to do God's will. And the way this shows up, God is saying here, is the spirit-filled Christian, the one who is yielding, the one who is uh, in the presence of the spirit, the one who is uh, committed to the spirit, right? That person are going to have four sp- supernatural traits in their life. Four supernatural traits in their life. We're going to see here um, in um, these traits. Let me introduce you uh, to all of the four traits because we're not going to finish all of them. And I will finish it next week. But notice he says here, here are the four supernatural traits. Verse 18a, you have the power to keep a sober mind. You have the power to keep a sober mind. Verse 18. C and to 19 is you have the power to have a praising heart. I love that. You have the power to have a praising heart. And then uh, verse 20, you have the power to cultivate a grateful attitude. You have the power to cultivate a grateful attitude. And then lastly, verse 21, you have the power to maintain a submissive will you have the power to maintain a submissive will these are four supernatural traits that are in the christian when they are filled with the spirit of god that paul is talking about this goes uh this goes opposite to the world now let's see if we could get through the first one notice he says here um you know i got six minutes let's hold all right we can do that Let's hold, okay? So I gave you the four supernatural traits. What God does when he empowers you with the Spirit is he gives you these four supernatural traits. You have the power to keep a sober mind. In Christ, by his Spirit, you have the power to keep a sober mind. Secondly, you have the power to have a praising heart. Thirdly, you have the power to cultivate a grateful attitude. And lastly, you have the power to maintain a submissive will. So no, this text is not just about alcohol, okay? It's so much more. 
It is this richness of living in Christ, yielded to his power, yielded to his word, experiencing his presence daily. Brothers and sisters, please listen to me. Just, just listen to me. Just listen to me, okay? Don't give up this rich birthright of yours. Okay? Refuse to live in the flesh. Refuse to live any other way. Refuse to not be joyful in Christ and in the Spirit. Refuse to live apart from His power and His dependence, uh, and, and dependence on His power. That's where the richness of Christ is, amen? Don't you want to live right there? And He has given this to us. Not just the principles, but the person of the Spirit. Amen? You are not alone. I, uh, do you remember that song? Thank you, oh my Father. Join me. For giving us your Son and leading your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Father, we thank you for your Spirit we thank you that you have given us your word to think clearly and to know what your will is, your revealed will, your perfect and clear will. I pray, Father, you would help us to even sing this last song. Bless our fellowship together. Bless our time. Bless this Lord's Day. Thank you so much for our friends. Thank you for visitors. Uh, we pray, Father, you would continue to work in our lives. Give us those gospel opportunities even into the summer. We pray, Father, that uh, uh, we would be uh, given to your gospel. Oh, God, we cannot push this forth with our own hands and our own strength. It has to be by your spirit, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, says, says the Lord. Thank you so much for this Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.